It doesn't matter what family you're in. It doesn't matter who your brothers and sisters are. It doesn't matter who your friends are, who your wife is. All marriages go through times where one or both people say, nobody told me it was going to be this difficult. Uh, Clarice and I, my wife, have been married 35 years. And I, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I wish I could say that it's been mostly bliss. But I cannot, because uh, yours truly, moi, has been quite a project when it comes to marriage for my wife. And, uh, you know, when you're married 35 years, it seems like people come up to you and they think, oh, man, you know, you picked the right person right off the bat. Nothing could be further from the truth in our case. 35 years ago, I had just become a Christ follower, just had started out. And so I, you know, trying to get some things organized in my life, and I was laser focused on, you know, I want to get a wife. I mean, just my whole life revolved around, I want to find a wife, I want to find a wife, I want to find a wife. And Clarice, to me, was the prettiest girl in the church, and to my amazement, she was willing to marry me. So I get married to my wife, and everything's fantastic, and I'm telling you, it isn't two months after we get married that I think to myself, wait a minute. Nobody told me that marriage was going to be this difficult. I mean, what am I supposed to do now? You know? Now it's 35 years later. And nobody told me that I wouldn't, you know, I thought I'd have it down at 35 years. Nobody told me that there would still be struggles. I'd still be learning. I'd still be going through things in relationships. So in this series, Nobody Told Me, we're looking at different types of topics in today's marriage. And uh, to play my cards up front, um, I know whenever we hit this topic, um, it, can, it can be difficult for some. Um, you can be a single person here today, and you don't want to be single. And so we start talking about marriage, and it's just a bummer. You're just like, I, you know, I don't like being reminded about this whole thing, and I understand and then there's people here that you used to be married, maybe even happily married, and you're not married now. And so we bring up the marriage topic, and it's like, why do you got to bring that up? It's just a lot of bad memories and stuff I went through. And There'll be people here that are struggling in their marriage right now. It's going to be a little uncomfortable, so I am going to have some ground rules during the talk. No elbowing allowed during the talk today to the person sitting next to you. So, so whatever category you find yourself in, we all come from a different background and different experiences when it comes to relationships and marriage, and that's okay. That's probably even a good thing. But I do want to say and tell you what the goal is today, that regardless of, of what experience you're in, that you can experience the grace of God. Regardless of your circumstances, wherever you're coming from when it comes to this topic, marriage, the whole goal of the talk is that you would experience the grace of God. And here's why. God's grace overrides everything. Anything I think, anything that's happened, anything that's going on now, God's grace overrides it. So the whole goal of the series and the talk today is that each of us, regardless of our circumstances, can experience the grace of God. Now, here's the big idea. You can write it in your notes. M marriage is worth the work. Let me read something out of the Bible. The holy writings say, this is why a man will leave his father and mother and join his wife, and the two people will become one. This is a profound mystery, and circle that. 
The person who wrote this is coming from an interesting background. They're much older now. And um, as they're looking back over their life and thinking about relationships, they're sort of pondering this whole idea of what it is to be married. They, like all of us, had the time that they were single, and then they got married before they became a Christ follower. So single, then they get married, they're knight of Christ follower, and then right in the middle of their marriage, they start to follow Jesus. Now, when we pick up and when he's talking here, it's later in his life after his wife has passed on and now he's a widower. So he's single. He's not following Jesus. He gets married. He's not a Christ follower. And then he becomes a Christ follower and he has Jesus in his life and his marriage. And then his wife dies and now he's not married, still a Christ follower. And he says, when it comes to the topic of marriage, it's difficult to understand. The old writer looks back on the relationship and says, I've seen this from a lot of different angles, and it's difficult to understand it. To which I say after 35 years, yay and amen. (laughs) (laughs) It is difficult to understand how I could love someone so much and argue with them all the time. It's hard for me to understand um, how someone so close to me and I care so much about, I could drive so crazy. And they could drive me crazy. And, here, and here's the one that baffles me. is like, how did she get in so far? Like, how, how, how did she get into my heart so far? Nobody else was able to. And then there's this one. How could something so wonderful as marriage sometimes be so much work. (laughs) Because marriage is wonderful, but it can be a lot of work. And so today we're going to take a look at what this writer has to say as he looks back on relationships and he looks back on what it is to be married. And we're going to see some things that he says and hopefully it'll be the avenue to experience God's grace. So number one, you can write in your notes, marriage means turning me into we. Be willing to serve each other out of respect for Christ. Now, it's a process to learn how to be connected. And I'll go out on a limb and say women are probably uh, a little better at connecting than men are. Not all the time. Sometimes men are great at connecting. But by and large, it seems to me that women are a little better at connecting than men are. It's a process for men to learn how to connect. Sometimes it kind of reminds me when it comes to men connecting is they can kind of treat a relationship or their marriage like a drinking fountain. And it's when they're thirsty, they think about the drinking fountain and and they go over and they get a drink of water. And then after they've had a drink of water, they leave and they don't think about the drinking fountain as much until they're thirsty again. And here's the thing. Men oftentimes aren't as relationally thirsty as women are. And so they're not over at the drinking fountain as often. And they have to learn how to connect. Something I've discovered in my life is that my actual, my actual desire for relationship is not as strong as my need for relationship. I like to put it in the same analogy of water. It's like I'm actually a lot more thirsty for water than I know I am. And that's where Clarice has been a ton of help because that girl lives at the drinking fountain. 
I mean, that's her sweet spot right there. And it's been a lot for me to learn how to connect that way. It's been a huge benefit for me to be with her, to learn how to connect that way. Because it hasn't been as natural for me, for us to be we. And, um, uh, you know, in our culture, uh, whether it's music or movies, it kind of puts this idea out there that, you know, if you can just find the right person, you know, all the healing will happen, all the love will happen, and all the power will start to happen. I mean, really what it's all about, all the movies, you know, all the songs, it's just, you're just trying to find that right person. If you can just find the one who completes me, and I understand what they're saying, you know, everybody wants that right person, but it can get to the place where you can almost feel like, you know, if I can just find that right person in my life and marry him, everything's going to be okay, which puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the person in your relationship. Tim Keller uh, and his wife wrote this really super, really good book. It's in your resources on the other side of the outline. But I liked this quote so much, I actually wrote it down and put it in your notes. Let me read it to you. It is the illusion that if we find our own true soulmate, everything wrong with us will be healed. But that makes the lover into God. And no human being can live up to that. If you think your man, or if you think your wife, is going to empower your complete life and make everything okay, it's almost like I brought this as, 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 as a little example. It, it, it's like we're walking around with a plug. And we're just going through life. We start like in junior high school and we start trying to plug this into people because we just believe we can find just the right place that we can plug this in. Then all the power is going to happen. The healing is going to happen. The love is going to flow. Everything is going to be great. And sometimes people plug this in a lot of times in life and you finally get it into a plug and you're like, oh man, this feels so good. And then you start realizing this isn't doing everything. I need to jiggle the plug a little bit. Come on, you can get angry and start you know, yelling at the plug. Some people pull the plug out Hold it over here. I'm not going to plug it in unless you do what I need. And here's the truth. There's only, there's only one person you can plug this into that's going to give you everything you need, and his name is Jesus. There's not anybody else. You might be married to a dude that is all that, and he ain't all that perfect. At some point, you're going to feel the, like I'm, plug, I'm like unplugging from this dude. Only Jesus. Now, when you, know, you may have noticed in your notes, I put a capital W, capital W, capital E. Because when I think of my marriage, I think of Clarice, and I think of me, and I think of Jesus as the we. In fact, um, I'll put myself out there a little bit. I don't think... I don't know if we could have made it 35 years had we not had him. I, there are things that we have faced. I mean, think about it. Um, Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. And he knows your spouse better than you know your spouse. There have been so many times in the last 35 years that I have had to go to the Lord and say, I... Why'd you put me with her? To which he always says, you chose her. Help me. I can't figure it out. 
So many times I've had to go to God for answers and strength. So many times I've had to go and say, I'm, this time I'm not going to humble myself. This time, and so many times I've had to go to get strength and power and answers and have him guide me. This isn't in your notes, but it's a, this, this old writer wrote this in the Bible, and this will come up on the screen. Christ was before all things, and he holds all things together. And for 35 years, I'm telling you, there has been many times that Jesus has had to hold our we together as we have tried to sort it out and gone to him for explanations and show us what to do next. What's our next right step? See, marriage, turning me into we, and Christ followers or whoever wants to, it's not just you and the person you're with. It's also realizing, Jesus, we want you to be a part of our marriage. That's the ultimate we. Sorry. Now, some of you here today might be married to someone and, and you're a Christ follower and they're not, or they used to be and they're not now, or they're not following Christ maybe like you would like them to, or you think they should, or you do, or whatever the case may be. Uh, you're with a boyfriend or something, and, and, and I want to say something to you that doesn't make Jesus any less committed to your marriage or your relationship. He's just as committed to you in your relationship to help you and give you answers. So the first thing he says is, it's quite a project in relationships, especially marriage, to go from me to we. We. Now, the second thing, and write this in your notes, marriage means rewriting your relationship. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Your anger gives a foothold to the devil. I brought more than a little baggage into our marriage relationship, for sure. I mean, everybody brings baggage in, but I mean, to use the analogy, Clarice showed up with a couple of overnight bags, and they brought my baggage in on a freight train. I mean, it was a problem, the stuff I brought into the marriage and the baggage that I brought in, the background, the things I saw in family. It was a lot that we had to go through. And, and what, what the writer's saying here is that, that there's always an old way and a new way. Actually, he's writing to a church and a bunch of Christians, and he's saying, some of you used to steal, but now through God's power, you can actually work and be generous. There's always old way, new way. That's the rewrite. And Clarice and I had to rewrite a lot of things in our life. And the blessing of marriage has been, it's put me in a situation where I've had to go to God and say, this is something that needs to change in my life. So I'm going to give you some guidelines today. Uh, right first, uh, establish rules of engagement. So this is the old writer now. He's looking back on relationships. He's an old man now, married without Jesus, married with Jesus. And now he's an old man. He's looking back, and here's what he says. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Old way, new way. Rules of engagement. Because of all the baggage that I brought into our relationship, um, raise your hand. Has anybody seen that old movie, Groundhog Day? Raise your hand if you've ever seen that. Yeah. So I had a Groundhog Day marriage, unfortunately. 
It was like I would do the same thing over and over again every single day, which would get the same reaction out of Clarice over again every single day. The sun would go up, the sun would come down, and we would just be angry. And nothing ever changed. It was like Groundhog Day, after day, after day, after day, until I had to look and say, you know what? Just as if you were a thief, at some point you realize, you know, that's not working anymore for me. That's the old way. Evidently, there were some thieves in this church that maybe there are some are here too. And anyways, Christianity. And the, but now he's saying there's a new way you can be. And one of them is how we engage each other. Instead of just, for Clarice and I, just getting angry and saying the same thing over and over again, we've had to establish some, some rules of engagement. And this is something you do during a peaceful time. It's part of the work that you do. So here's some examples. You, you sit down and you say, listen, you don't get to raise your voice when we talk. Because I can't handle that. Because I grew up in a family where that scared me. And stuff comes up for me. And like here's rule, like rules of engagement. No intimidating me by raising your voice. So you're probably thinking, yeah, you know, get them, say it. Well, here's one for you. No silent treatment. No treating the other person like they don't exist for a month or six months. No treating them like, you know what? You aren't even worth the words that come out of my mouth. Silent treatment. You don't exist. I don't care. So you're not worth talking to. Rules of engagement. Things that you set up ahead of time and say, we're going to engage each other over conflicts. And by the way, some people think that a healthy relationship is the absence of conflict. Nothing could be further from the truth. A healthy relationship knows how to resolve conflict, not avoid it or pretend that it isn't there. Healthy churches, healthy families, healthy workplace, healthy marriages, healthy boyfriend and girlfriends acknowledge the fact that if there's two humans involved, their sparks are going to fly. How I resolve the conflict is what's healthy. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, you know, you're lucky, you've been married 35 years, you and Clarice might be, you know, you're probably a lot alike. You can't find two human beings on the planet different than Clarice and I. It's like a killer whale married a Dalmatian. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, we don't even breathe the same air. We don't, there's like nothing is similar about us at all. We have lots of conflict been through lots of difficulty. We've had to get help from professionals. We've had to go sit with counselors and say, you know, would you fix her? She's hard to be married. No, I'm just playing. But decide what kind of ways you're going to engage each other. Number two in your notes, watch your words and guard your tone. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, maybe you've heard someone say this before. I'm just a blunt person. To which I say, yeah, and being around you is like being hit with a blunt object. <laughs> it's like you just don't get a license to say whatever you want, however you want to say it in a relationship. Regardless of how you're wired, maybe you are wired to be a blunt person. My wife is a blunt person. And I have benefited from her being very, very straightforward. But let me tell you something. If you're a blunt person, here's something you need to learn to do. You need to learn to say, I'm sorry. 
uh, what I said was, was, was too blunt. My wife is a blunt person. Our family's benefited it. But I've also seen her say to my children, our children, her friends, and she has said to me before when she's been super, super blunt and right, but super, super blunt, I've had her come back and say, I'm sorry. That looked like it hurt. I'm like, damn right it hurt. You know, it hurt a lot. Because you know what? Your bluntness can cause somebody to miss what you're saying and people will avoid you. Because they can't take the delivery. And you have to choose what kind of words you'll let be in your relationship as well. Some of us come in from lots of different backgrounds where all kinds of words were spoken in our families. And then you meet up with someone and the words don't match. You've got to decide. Some words in our family that we decided right off the bat, the children would never be called stupid. Did they ever act that way? Twice a day. <laughs> we never called them stupid. I got called stupid second grade. It took years to shake it. Because I believed it. So we just, like, I mean, I'm not saying what's your family. You pick your own words. We never say the word divorce. Murder may have gone through her mind a few times, but never divorce. We never speak the word divorce. We never did. I didn't want to be divorced. I saw my mom divorce several times. I saw my grandma divorce several times. I saw aunts and uncles. I, don't, I didn't want to get divorced. So I thought, well, you know, where I'm going to start is at least I'm not going to say it. So we agreed right off the bat in our marriage, we were never using the word divorce. We didn't allow the word bitch to be said. I had a friend the other day say that, you know, a really good friend of mine, and this cat loves his daughters, and the other day he's talking to his daughter, and, you know, you're FaceTiming or something. I don't know what happened. He got frustrated, and a couple minutes later I said, you know, how's your daughter doing? He goes, oh, she's, being such, she's such a little bitch. And I was like, what are you saying? You call her that? Like we never, I never, like that was, but you get to choose. You get to decide what words are in bounds and out of bounds. And if you saw our family, you probably would hear a couple words that you thought were worse than the word divorce because <laughs> they have flown. There's plenty of good cuss words to choose, by the way. There's a lot of them out there you can pick. You have to decide which ones you're going to use and what kind of words are going to be in your family. So enjoy swearing. Good for you. Number three, <laughs> shift negative complaints to positive solutions. Get rid of all bitterness, big and small, loud talk, saying wrong things about people and all wanting to do wrong things to people. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. How does Jesus forgive you? I asked myself that question this week. And the word that came to my mind was always. 
no matter how many times I ask about the same thing, no matter how long I take before I ask, He always forgives me. You know, I don't know if you can, if you can move from negative to positive in a relationship, in a marriage, if you withhold forgiveness. Because it's the forgiveness that releases us to give someone another opportunity. I'm not saying forgetting. I'm not saying to draw, you know, it's okay to draw a boundary and say, we're not going to have that behavior any longer. I'm talking about when you say to someone and say, listen, this is what you did to me. I'm acknowledging that. And I'm choosing to forgive you. I'm going to give up all the negative emotion and thoughts that I'm carrying. Forgive. I'm giving it up right now. It still happened, and I remember it. But I'm giving up everything negative. And it sets me. And when you are forgiven, it gives you a clean slate in your marriage. I couldn't even begin to count the number of times that Clarice has been faithful to forgive me. Somehow catching, you know, the always concept with God. There's not one thing to this moment that stands between us that hasn't been forgiven. And I've had to ask many, many times, more times than I'd ever like to say. And she's always forgiven me, and I've always forgiven her. Moving to the positive. It's not just about stopping the negative. Can you imagine if you, you know, on a cold day like today, you jump in the car, and whoever's driving the car, he's got the air conditioner on full blast. And it's like freezing cold outside already, and maybe they were a little hot, but whatever. And so anyways, they got the air conditioning like full blast, you know, and you're driving down the road, and you're just like, is this some kind of a joke or something? It's like it's so freezing in here. It's, it's so cold, you know, and finally you say, listen, you know, did you realize the air conditioning's on? Oh, do you want me to turn that off? Yes, you, you crazy? So they finally turn the air conditioning off. So now the cold air isn't blowing all over you. It's like, whoa, great. Then a couple of minutes you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, well, turn the heat on. It's like, it's not enough just to stop the cold air from blowing. It's wintertime. Turn the heat on. To which Jesus says to us today, it's not enough to stop the bad stuff. He wants to cause the good stuff. And that's what forgiveness does. I want to um, close with this little quick story. It's, um, I found this and I wanted to read. Good, good example of what forgiveness causes. Uh, during the early days of the Civil War, a Union soldier was arrested on charges of desertion. Unable to prove his innocence, he was condemned and sentenced to die a deserter's death. His appeal found its way to the desk of Abraham Lincoln. The president felt mercy for the soldier and extended grace and signed a pardon. The soldier returned to service, fought the entirety of the war, and was killed in the last battle. Found within his breast pocket was the signed letter of the president. Close to his heart, close to the heart of the soldier, were the words of forgiveness. Old soldier, 
Forgiven, new soldier. Old boyfriend, new boyfriend. Old wife, fiance, girlfriend, new wife, fiance, girlfriend. And here's what it looks like. It's the bottom line. Marriage means being spirit-centered, not self-centered. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults. Because of your love, you are joined together with peace through the Spirit. Marriage is wonderful, and it's worth the work, and it can be a lot of work, and it is so much easier with God's help. 